Blog Talk Radio. Happy Halloween. Uh, I hope everybody's out uh, enjoying it, uh, trick-or-treating, and uh, hopefully we'll give you some treats and not too many tricks here on uh, the MyW Sports Sports Monday. Absolutely. A lot to get to. We have CWHL action from the weekend. Four Nations Cup is getting ready to get underway tomorrow, and we're we're excited to keep track of that as well. WTA finals, uh, a great finals at that. We can't wait to talk to you and give you that update, LPGA tournament updates as well, and plus much, much more NCAA action going on as well. Uh, Kyle's on the road right now, and obviously me being a a safe person, I will take over the fun fact of the week, Um, (laughs) and we'll talk a little bit about the Four Nations Cup in a few, but the Four Nations Cup is an annual tournament that is held in varying forms since 1996. It was previously the Three Nations Cup. It's taken place 20 20 times, and this is the 20th upcoming Four Nations Cup, or Three Nations Cup, if that's how you remember it. Uh, The United States has competed 19 times. The only time they did not participate was in 2001. The red, white, and blue have captured the title six times in 97, 2003, 2008, 2011, 2012, they went back-to-back, and then most recently in 2015, the U.S. holds an overall record of 44, 23, and 2 in 79 Nation Cup games. They only finished once in third place, and that was in 2013. Incredible stats there, right, Kyle? That is awesome. And, you know, and I think it shows – it really shows the growth of uh, U.S. hockey throughout the years and, and just how strong this program is um, – uh, you know, I'd love to see. I'd love to hear what uh, Team Canada's are as well, because I think that both of them would be uh, rivaling each other, and and both of them would be very impressive. Absolutely. You mentioned USA defeated Canada in 2015. Canada defeated USA in 2014. So the rivals continue beyond uh, just the Olympics, and that's what's great about this tournament is we get it. You know, every year now, Cal. Well, and and I know that the players really look forward to it as well. You you don't just have to wait four years for the Olympics. You get these other 
whether it's the Four Nations Cup, whether it's the World Championships, you get these other opportunities to to go out and play against the best of the best and, and nation on nation. Absolutely. And, you know, just to answer your question, Canada took silver last year, but they've won 14 gold medals in the 20 tournaments, Ooh. again, most recently in 2014. So uh, a lot of a lot of things to look forward to. We'll talk more about the Four Nations Cup in just a moment. But first, let's talk some Canadian Women's Hockey League. The NWHL is on break right now for the Four Nations Cup tournament. So we'll just jump right in to the Canadian Women's Hockey League. And, Kyle, uh, I – we we got our first game, and I'm so excited, but it really wasn't a great game to be a Blades fan. And, of course, I'm I'm a non-biased media person when I go to all these games. Um, but my, oh, my, Calgary Inferno versus the Boston Blades on Saturday night. Um, were you able to catch the updates? I did, yes. And, and you know what? I, I think that this more shows. I know we'll talk more about uh, some of the Blades' struggles. But I think this more shows just how, how good the Calgary Inferno are. Um, they are just a dominant team that um, not only will shut, shut you out and shut you down defensively, but can put many, many goals in the back of the net. Absolutely, and we saw that. Let's break this game down a little bit. Um, first game, first home game for the Boston Blades uh, to start the season, playing at UMass Boston, right, right, on, right on the bay of Boston and Dorchester. Um, so you have, you have a nice, you know, a nice crowded facility there. You've got your first home game. And it seemed like in that first period, Kyle, they were up to the task uh, against, you know, going against the defending champs, a scoreless first period. Lauren Dam, she, she, she made 16 saves in that first period. Um, she was incredible. But again, I, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit going into the second and third, but the defensive woes for the for the Blades seem to be what what will be their Achilles heel this year. Well, I think yeah, I think that um, they're certainly they lost a little bit when they lost uh, Genevieve Lacasse, um in the goal. I think defensively, I think Tara Watchhorn is a very very good defenseman. Um, it's now a question of the of the other youth that they uh, got out of the draft this year, who's going to step up and, and be that next great defenseman for them as well. Cause they're going to need to support whoever is in goal uh, with, with it not being LaCasse. Absolutely. You talked about Calgary's kind of high fire, fire powered offense. Brittany Esposito, she scored her first goal of the season to start the scoring in the second period. Jill Sonier, uh, she doubles that margin three minutes later. Esposito gets her second in the period to make it 3-0. And at this point, you kind of realize, hey, the Blades aren't really known for scoring a lot of goals. This might be the start of a route. Uh, and sure enough, the fourth goal comes at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the second period. So you go into that third, and you're hoping that, you know, you kind of seal the floodgates a little bit. Kyle, that does not happen. Another, no. another 27 shots in the period and another four goals led up by the Blades. And, and I know we talk about the defense giving up goals and the defense not doing its part, but a part of that too is, is controlling the puck. And we talked about this all last year with the Blades. They have got to get the offense going to bring the puck into the Calgary zone and take a little bit off of the defense and off of the goalie as well. So it's, it's a full team effort. And when you, when somebody's putting, um, you know, eight goals into your net, 
it's it's a full team uh, dismantling as well, not just the not just the defense letting you down. Part of that is, as you mentioned, seeing different netminders in 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 the goal for for the Blades. Shelly Payne, she got to get in for I think 13 minutes, but even then, you would think, yeah, maybe there's some some part of like not getting ice time, I guess, or, or not being ready, just being called into action. But she gives up two goals too. And I think that the third period was, was really, it was really dominated, <clears throat> excuse me, by Calgary. I mean, 27 shots, Kyle, in one period, that's as many mm-hmm. shots as a team puts up in a game. So you give right. up that many shots. Is there, is there a sense of fatigue there as well? Are these players just too young? Um, Possibly, possibly this they just aren't uh, game. You know, I don't want to say game ready, but maybe they're they're not ready for the level that the CWHL has just yet. Um, but I think with the youth that they have, if they can continue to stay together and play together, I think that they're only going to get better in the coming years. Um, another thing to mention too, Lou, is you know you saw multiple goals here again where it was a goal kind of back to back or, or very shortly after uh, in the Inferno were able to put in another goal. Um, the blades were susceptible to that last year as well, giving up kind of back to backers. Yeah, that's a great point, Kyle. And, and these goals did happen, you know, rapidly in the period. And I think, you know, I was talking to Krista, the GM for the blades before the game and, you know, all she wanted out of the weekend was a couple of points, and I think that's really what the Blades want to do is start building these puzzle pieces to see where they fit. And, and do you agree with that kind of notion? Absolutely. I think they've got to start somewhere. Uh, it was great that they were able to pick up a, a point last week on the overtime game uh, with Toronto, but, you know, they've got to start to put the little pieces together and, and you know, put some goals and nets themselves and start to show that, that they have an offense that is, is capable of staying with other teams. Um, and then also defensively kind of uh, narrowing the gap a little on game scores. Um, unfortunately, we didn't see that really in game one. Um, but I, I think that they, I think that's what they need to do just little by little start to make those improvements. Absolutely. So on the ace, she scored her fourth goal in that third period as well. Uh, having a great start to her season. We'll get to that in just a moment. But, Kyle, another game on Saturday night was the Toronto Furies versus the Brampton Thunder. The Brampton Thunder were the only team not to get a victory on the season yet, and they go into this matchup, a great back-and-forth game, scoreless first period in this one as well. Sarah Edney, she gives Brampton a 1-0 lead in the second period. That came on the power play after Shannon Molson got a roughing penalty with under two minutes left in the first. Um, Brampton and Toronto, they seem to always play each other really tight, this game was back and forth, and Brampton ended up winning 2-0. to zero. What were your thoughts about this matchup and seeing these two teams? Because it seems like right now Calgary and Montreal are the two teams battling for those top two spots. But, you know, Boston, Brampton, and Toronto, they're going to have to – three teams fighting for two places. Right, and so I think this was a good sign of uh, when Brampton does isn't playing uh, Calgary, who has proven to be a great team this year. When they're not playing the Canadians – um, you know, who also have had a great start to the year so far. Um, you know, how is Brampton going to shape up? When we saw Brampton last year kind of start slow, and then as the season went on, they started to score a lot of goals and start to knock off some of uh, some of the top teams and play very well against Calgary. Um, you know, and maybe that's the case here as well. Maybe they just started a little slow, 
But when they get into the Toronto matchups, the, the Boston matchups, maybe they're still that third-place team. I'm not 100% sure they are yet um, because I think that Toronto is a very good team uh, that, that is much improved over here. Um, but they certainly, you know, proved it at least in the first game between uh, Brampton and Toronto that, that, uh, that they, they could get the better of them at least on the ice uh, Saturday night. Absolutely, and just a quick correction. Sarah Edney scored the first goal. That was in the second period, but it was Rebecca, Rebecca Vint who scored the power play goal 11 seconds into the third on that Molson penalty. Liz Knox, she made 18 saves in the win. The defense was huge. It's her first win on the season. Again, just talking about Toronto now, they go into game two and will transition into Sunday's action. They come back, and they score five goals um, and it was Julie Allen and Michaela Cava 19 seconds apart in the first five minutes of the first period to kind of start this run. What are your thoughts about Toronto? I know they're missing Natalie Spooner right now and a couple of mm-hmm. other players to the Four Nations Cup, but it seemed like that, that second matchup is really where they got their, you know, their feet under them. Right, and I was looking at the second matchup more offensively, but, but uh, do you have who is in net for um, Brampton in that second game? Yeah, it was Liz Knox. It was Knox again. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think that um, I think that Toronto is a very good offensive team, and like I said, they are much better than they were last year. And the Brampton showed in the first game how you stop Toronto. You have to stop them offensively. Um, in the second game, though, Toronto's offense was just too much, and and they're a very solid offensive team. And you know, as we talked about last week too. They have some some solid defense as well, um, and when um, they can get some some good goaltending out of Kessler, um, Toronto's going to be a, a formidable opponent for the top two teams I think this year. And, and then looking at Brampton, you know Knox is a good goalie, but what I would expect that uh, she's only going to be slitting time as well when the when when we aren't losing players uh, for the Four Nations Cup. Absolutely, and you look at the kind of the play of Caroline Prevost. She had a big goal last weekend. She adds her third goal on the year um, in that second period to make it 3-0. to zero. And you just kind of see this team, and we saw them live last year as well, Kyle, or at least I think I did, um, when the Blades were playing at the New England Center. And yeah. I, I was really impressed with, with Pre- Prevost and even Spooner when she was on the ice. But I think Prevost goes a little under, you know, underrated, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. I think when you, anytime you're going to have an offense like you have with Toronto, you're going to have multiple players that are going to need to step up. It can't just be the Natalie Spooner show because if you play any sort of uh, a defensive team, the first person they're going to take out is going to be Spooner. They're going to double cover her. They're going to, they're going to make sure that she, she's off of her lanes and she's not going to be able to get to the net. Um, so you're going to have to have other people step up. And, and uh, Prevost is certainly one of them that, that Toronto can rely on for uh, that other person, if you will. Carly Campbell scored 10 minutes into the third period to make it 4-0. Emily Fulton put it away at 5-0. Uh, Christina Kessler, she picks up the win for the Furies. The Brampton Thunder, they go 0-4 on the power play. Credit to that defense as well in this matchup for the Furies, uh, Kyle? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, you know, and I don't um, – I, I didn't get to see the, the exact lineup of who they had, but I would be assuming that uh, Toronto was missing uh, a, a Renata Fast uh, for the Canadian national team uh, for this. But, 
but defensively they're a very deep team and uh when they when they can uh play and shut you down uh Toronto's going to be tough to score on and and we've seen Kepler I, as you said I got to see her last year when she came to Boston and and I was really impressed with with just how uh solid of a goaltender she is uh, but then as I said earlier the the defense also um is able to help Kepler. It's not just her standing on her head. Absolutely. And Brampton as well, only down to four defenders. You mentioned Toronto uh, missing some players as well. So be really interesting to see how these matchups play out later on uh, when the rosters are at full strength. Uh, Kyle, we saw that game Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, the Sunday morning game, which was really confusing for me because you play an eight o'clock game Saturday night, and then you play a nine thirty a.m. game, Sunday morning, whew, quite a turnaround there. But the Calgary Inferno and the Boston Blades, they go at it again. Um, and this was a great game. Even though the score kind of doesn't really tell you everything, Calgary jumped up to a 3-0 lead. They got a couple of power play goals. Uh, but the Blades started to come back. Kayla Tatino, she scored her first goal on the season, 40 seconds into the third period. Dakota Woodworth also getting on the board for the first time this year, 3:07 into the third. That makes it 3-2, Kyle. Uh, were you kind of excited to see this going on? Absolutely. You know, and, and what we were talking about just a little bit ago about the, the little pieces and making your way, you know, when you went from an 8-0 uh, loss the night before and you're already down 3 nothing, the way that they started to chip back and the way that they were continuing to put pucks on net and, and stay in the zone a little bit more on Sunday morning uh, was certainly a step in the right direction uh, for the Blades. You know, and, and they, they gave themselves an opportunity in this game to at least close the gap and, and make Calgary uh, actually continue to play. You know, they couldn't just sit back and, and ride a 3-0 victory because now all of a sudden it was a one-goal game. Absolutely. And you look at the play of Jill Sonnier uh, for the Inferno so far this season, leading the league in points with six goals, one assist. She picks up two more goals in this matchup. Um, the fifth goal to give the Inferno a 4-2 lead. Casey Pickett, she drew the blades closer. Um, she brought them within one to make it 4-3. But again, Solomier puts it away uh, midway through the third period for her sixth. Um, and I, when you think about this game, Kyle Esposito, she also had three goals in the series alone uh, for, for the Inferno. When you're looking at what Boston can do to kind of look forward in the season, what what's the biggest thing that they can take away from playing the defending champs, especially in that second game? Well, that they were able to put pucks in the net and that they were able to stay close in this game uh, for for a longer amount of time. And, and that's something that they were not able to do almost all of last year. Um, so that they were able to hang with the Inferno. And I know the Inferno were missing some people as well, but um, – you know, they, they were out there trying to do everything they could. And they've, they've proven that they're a very deep and, and very strong team. And I, I think it's great that the Blades at least, as I said, hung in there and, and made this somewhat of a game, um, you know, at least on Sunday. Absolutely. And Delaney, Brian, filled in pretty well in that uh, for the Inferno, <laughs> obviously missing some players and uh, one of the best goalkeepers or goaltenders in all of the land. Um, well, but, all right, Kyle. we say that, but let's also not forget that Brian did do a pretty darn good job last year in net for the Inferno. So um, as much as she was kind of filling in or 
or, uh, you know, being the goalie on the spot that day, you know, she, she's got some pretty good experience under her belt. Yeah, she's got the credentials to prove it for sure. Um, yeah. All right, Kyle, we're looking at the standings now. Calgary 4-0, Montreal 4-0, Toronto 2-3, Brampton 1-3-1, and, and Boston uh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, Boston 0-3-1 oh, and, uh, and 0 oh, on the year. So you, we talked about it, two, kind of three teams right now fighting for those two spots. Do you see either Brampton or Toronto pulling away for, for it to be a two-team race, or do you think this is going to be close throughout the year? Uh, I, I think we still got to – I think there's still a lot of hockey to be played, and I think it's tough to say right now. Um, you know, I, I just hope that the, the blades are, are moving in the right direction and they were able to, to hang with Toronto. And like I said, go to overtime with Toronto last week. Uh, they were able to keep it a little closer with Calgary in the second game this week. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see them continue to improve that. Like I said, there's, uh, you know, six more months or five more months of hockey, uh, left in this season. So, uh, plenty of time for them to to improve and get better, come together as a team. You got to remember this: the very young uh, Boston Blades team. They have a lot of new players this year. So, um, you know, I'd like to see them kind of make it, keep it a three-team race. And then on the other side, you know, you'd like to see Toronto continue to to improve as well. And maybe they're in the conversation with um, with Blades Canadiens and with Inferno because you don't want to see them run away with it. And it, and we already know who the Clarkson cup final is before we we've, we've gotten out of October here. Absolutely. Great point. You, you talked about Toronto's offense as well. Missing Natalie Spooner, who has right now in four games on the season, 1.75 points per game. She has seven points, four goals, three assists. Um, but you also think about the rookie Michaela Cava. She has six points with two goals and four assists. So they're getting it from everybody on that, on that lineup. And when Kessler's on, it's going to be really hard to score on that Toronto team. Definitely. All right, Kyle. So we, we, we alluded to it a little bit before. Now we're right at it. The Four Nations Cup, it begins tomorrow. You have Sweden, Finland, Canada, and the USA, four teams vying for a gold medal. What are your thoughts about this tournament heading into tomorrow? Well, unfortunately, I still I'm still not convinced that uh, the finals will not be uh, U.S. versus Canada. I, I'd love to say that you know Finland does have some nice pieces, um, specifically in goal, specifically um, you know two-headed monster, if you will, uh, in goal of, of uh, uh, Rasmussen and Rate. Um, so we'll see how that how that works out, but. Um, I just think that the the U.S. team and, and Team Canada are just too strong right now, and and part of that is is with the internationals all kind of staying in their own land, and uh, Canadians playing for the CWHL, and the Americans playing for the NWHL, and and the Finnish and Swedish players staying in Europe. So um, the level of competition is just different between those those three or four different organizations. Um, I, I think it's still going to be great hockey. I think we're still going to get to see um, the best of the best going head to head. And, and uh, I'm excited to see whatever does happen in this. And I'd love to see an upset. I'd love to see uh, either Finland, as I said, uh, shut, shut one of the top two teams down and, 
and make their way into the gold medal game or or even a Sweden uh, pop in there. Absolutely. And USA, you mentioned Sweden, opens up their slate against uh, Team Sweden on Tuesday. So Canada will go up against Finland. And before the tournament, I think it was yesterday, Canada outshot Finland in a warm-up game, 23-17. to 17. They won 4-1. to one. And it goes to show you, Kyle, maybe you're right. These teams might not be on equal playing fields, but in 2013 we saw an upset with USA finishing third and Finland and Canada going at it, obviously Canada winning the championship. But th- those are the kind of tournaments that make it uh, – where, where, one, you see the growth of the game not only here in the States and, and North America but abroad, and you see you know, that joy that it brings to those players when they have an upset against a Team USA or a Team Canada. Yeah, and that's – I think any great, I think any hockey fan loves to see great hockey, and and even if that does mean that one of the top two teams that you're rooting for does get upset, I think it's a it, there needs to be more uh, parity across the especially these four uh, nations, and we need to see uh, countries in, growing in their national team uh, abilities and and their their strengths. So I I think it's a great thing that. If, if we do have an upset, I think it is a great thing, even though, you know, it may be disappointing if, you know, you are expecting Team USA or Team Canada to to be there, obviously, um, and then all of a sudden for them to be upset. But but it is good for the game if that does happen. All right, Team USA naming Megan Duggan the captain for the team during the Four Nations Cup. Uh, team Canada – filled with talent. We talked about Marie-Philippe Poulin, Lauren Santino. The goaltending there is Emirates Mashmeyer and Genevieve Lacasse. Uh, do you have a prediction here, Kyle? The, goal, the medal matches are on Saturday, so by next Monday you'll, you'll have our recap of it. But any, any thoughts going into this one? Well, I mean, I'm a homer. I'm going to be rooting for, for Team USA. Um, I also just – I believe that they're just moving in the right – right direction and I think they've moved ahead of uh team Canada for right now um but not by far I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout but I just think that overall they they have um the fuller pieces and if there is a team that can pull off an upset is it Finland in your opinion Finland yeah I think like I said I think the goaltending in Finland is up to par um the, the Finnish goalkeepers uh, came to the U.S. to play in college and, and are very solid uh, goaltenders. So um, I think if, if anybody's going to be able to do it, they're going to have to shut down one of those two offenses, and it's going to take great goaltending to do it. Absolutely. And, again, you can catch all the action for the Four Nations Cup starting tomorrow, Team USA against Team Sweden, Team Canada going up against Team Finland. The rest of the USA schedule looks like this, on Wednesday, they'll play Finland. On Friday, they'll play Team Canada. And again, on Saturday, will be the bronze and the gold medal matches. So you can catch those as well. All right, Kyle, from professional and international hockey, let's go into some collegiate hockey. We saw the top five teams all playing this weekend. Some great quality hockey going on. Um, before we get into the top five, your, your Merrimack team pulled off a pretty big win against Northeastern. I'm telling you, they, they are an underdog team to keep an eye on because, you know, they may be young and this, this might not quite be the year yet for for them to, you know, kind of advance up to the, the BC, uh, BU level. But 
uh, they're very close. And, and I think even those games with BC and BU are going to be going to be very close uh, contests. So um, keep an eye out for them. And, and especially, you know, if, if this year doesn't end up being uh, kind of that golden year, definitely got to keep an eye on them over the next two years. I guess just your opinion on on a program like that that's up and coming that just moved into you know Division One. We just got word that Holy Cross's women's team is also going to make a move to Division One. Don't know which conference they'll be in, but they'll also make that move as well. But talking about Merrimack specifically, um, when you look at this team, when when do you gauge success? Because right now some of these wins, I mean wins against St. Cloud State, uh, Hockey East, Power Northeastern. So these are some quality wins. Are, are, do you wait until they do defeat a Boston College, uh, a Minnesota, Wisconsin, or, or do you give them credit for those wins now and, and kind of say, hey, this is we're, we're doing a lot better than we expected? Well, I think that there's, I think there are benchmarks, and I think you can take successes, at, you know, step by step, and you can take, um, you know, the wins now as great wins, and and you know, you don't have to wait and and say well, we haven't beaten, you know, the best of the best yet. Well, you don't need to be the best of, beat the best of the best yet. You know, you can, you can continue to play your best and, and uh, start to make your way in that direction. And, and uh, you know, all of those little wins are, you have to value them and you have to uh, credit your own abilities. You know, this isn't a, a team that's resting on its laurels and, and waiting for uh, a big outcome. Um, this team was specifically designed when I took Coach Hamlin last year, specifically designed and specifically chosen uh, to be fighters and, and to be, um, you know, warriors specifically, the Merrimack Warriors, um, so that they could compete right away and and not wait really three or four years to, to be there. They These are uh, players that have a, a ton of grit and have a personality that they want to win now and they want to, um, you know, be better than they are. And and that's what they've been able to do so far. Absolutely. I see what you did there with the Warriors. Nice play on words there. Um, but so that's that's the thing with with hockey right now, though, especially when when looking forward into that Holy Cross move and a couple of other schools that, that are looking to make that jump. Um, it, it, is it something that you see – do you, I guess the question I'm asking is, do you see the growth of collegiate hockey making our, you know, we had a conversation last week about the, the CWHL and the NWHL, um, what it means to have two leagues, what it, what it means to have one league. Do you think that the growth of collegiate hockey expedites that conversation, make, you know, kind of increases people's thoughts on, on making something happen here? Um, I think so. I think, I think it's connected. I think, um, both the growth of hockey and the growth in popularity of hockey is going to force the pros to do something else about about the professional leagues right now. You know, um, right now we only have four uh, domestic teams, five if you include the Minnesota Whitecaps. Um, but, you know, you're graduating, as Danny Ryland said last year, hundreds of of college athletes and the more the better that those players are becoming the more you're going to have players come into the nwhl or go to the cwhl that are top level players already from the start and they're only going to get better 
And we've seen it already this year with the NWHL and some players, you know, we've seen Haley Skrupa specifically come out of BC, be just uh, the first couple of weeks here has just been unbelievable. And that's only going to happen more and more as the, the collegiate level of play gets better and those players come into the professional league. Absolutely. You talked about that in the NWHL. You look at Michaela Cava, Sarah LaFour, and Laura Stacey uh, in the CWHL. So there's just a plethora of athletes out there. And even, you know, to be honest, I I did the UConn game for Boston College uh, this past weekend, and and my thoughts quickly went to Elena Chuli. I mean, Chuli was one of the best goalkeepers in all of hockey East play. Yeah, UConn wasn't a great team, but she she was a spectacular goalie. Um, And she's not playing in a professional league that I know of yet. So there's those questions, and you talk about an early retirement for Molly Schaus. I mean, these are these are things that I think about, and kind of as a fan, taking the whole press out of it, uh, as a fan, you kind of you know you get anxious to to hear about what might happen, uh, and and you know it does seem likely that there will be one league at some point, um, but when that happens, it's still unclear. Yeah, and I I don't know how far away that is because. Uh, the CWHL will need to pay its players first uh, before that that can even be a thought. Um, you know, and I know last year at the Winter Classic when we talked to the CWHL uh, commissioner, Brenda Andrus, she was uh, pointing to 2017-2018 uh, to be that year that they, they will start to pay their players. But, you know, we don't we haven't heard anything since and we don't know, you know, how much further along the sponsorship deals and the money that's coming in is for them to be able to do that. And I think that's a great point, Kyle. And I know we're talking college hockey, but just just to touch on that a little bit, it's really interesting to me at least why there's no CWHL live this year. And that might be part of it, to save some money on the broadcast to actually follow through with their with their goal to pay their players and save some money for uh, for next season. And I think, you know, being in its 10th year as well, it, that's something to say. So I think this is a really crucial year to kind of promote the league. And I know I, I'm pretty sure every team now has a business sponsor or a business person working to increase sponsorships. I, I, I met this guy, Brandon, for, for the Boston Blades, and he's working hand-in-hand with Krista to make sure that there are sponsorships and, and possibility for advertisements in the future. So I think there's a huge growth in the CWHL that's happening through the front offices that, you know, we don't really see on an everyday basis. Yeah, I worry about that, though, because I, you know, specifically with the CWHL Live and not streaming these games as, as easily or, or having a way to uh, make some profit from streaming these games, um, you know, I think that may take a little bit away from it because the way you you need not only business sponsors, but you need to either want to go to the game or to want to watch the game uh, somehow, whether it's streaming um, or on some sort of media. Um, and if you're not getting the people, it, it doesn't matter how much money you're paying players or how much money you're getting from sponsors. The ultimate goal still is you've got to get more people to go or to watch these games. That's true, and you know that was evident this past weekend with the Blades not having a live stream. You know, a lot of people came on the Periscope that we had up from MW Sports, um, and even you know people in Calgary uh, with the Inferno were asking us for for the videos because they didn't have any video to go back to. So um, 
it, it is. It's it's a crucial part to it, but it also, you know, it makes you think as well because there is there is a reason there is no CWHL live um, this season. They have these you know these highlight games every weekend, but that's on YouTube uh, or through their website. Again, last year was awesome because you can catch every game live uh, whether you were there or not. Yeah, and and I think that's a I think that's a move in the wrong direction because, like I said, I, you know, fans, as you said, the, the Calgary Inferno fans who who can't come to Boston to watch the game, they wanted to be able to watch the game, and you know, unfortunately, they weren't able to. Absolutely. So we'll see. Um, for the next Blades home game, you could catch the game if it's not on YouTube live with us at MyW Sports. We'll proudly bring you uh, live coverage of any game we can this upcoming season in the CWHL. All right, Kyle, let's finish up this hockey talk and move to some other sports. The top five, oh, before we get to the top five, North Dakota swept Bemidji State. North Dakota seems like that team that they're not, you know, they jump in and out of the rankings because they pull off so many upsets in their own conference. Do you think they're a sleeper team this year? Absolutely. You know, as we talked about last week, anybody in that conference if they can hang with the the Wisconsin's and the Minnesotas, you know, then they're going to be able to hang with all the other teams that are going to make the playoffs as well, because it's, it's a very, very difficult uh, conference that they're in and they're only getting better by playing all these, these great teams. So, and, and I really like, I really like what North Dakota has anyways. I, I thought, you know, they were a solid team last year and I think they've returned quite a few players and and I think that there's still a, a team to watch for as we go further. Absolutely. Quinnipiac, who had suffered a tie and a loss against Boston College in last week's matchup, um, they go on and defeat Yale 4-1 to one and then demolish Brown 8-0, to zero, Kyle. Uh, when, when you think Ouch. about these Ivy League schools, you, you know, is the competition not there right now? Or what are your thoughts about these ECAC schools? Well, it's 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 about recruiting uh, the right players, and I think that's difficult to do uh, when you're looking at an Ivy. You know, if I'm if I'm a, a star uh, hockey player, uh, do I want to go to uh, Brown? Yeah, maybe maybe I want to get that great education, which it is. Uh, or or do I want to play for you know BC or for you know if, or if I'm from out west, do I want to go play for Minnesota? You know. So I think that I think Brown is up against it. I think any of those Ivy League schools are up against it when it comes to recruiting, unfortunately. We talked about UConn losing Elena Truly. That was evident this past weekend, giving up eight goals against Boston College. Eight to one uh, was the final total score tally in the two matchups. BC went down to UConn and defeated the Huskies three to zero and then came back home to Connie Form and defeated them five to one. Andy Anastas uh, she's going to be playing the NWHL next year, Kyle. She tied an NCAA record for three power play goals in a game and got a hattie while doing it in that game down in Connecticut. Uh, Boston College, you know, they started the season kind of slow. Right now they seem to be picking it up. What are your thoughts on BC right now? Well, I, I think, you know, BC did lose some some good players last year, as we've seen, uh, with how they played it. Um, in the professional level, but um, you have to remember that they had possibly, if not the best goaltender in college hockey last year, she definitely, Katie Burt was definitely the second best. Um, so 
you know, she re- she's back. She's a junior. She's she's a little older, a little smarter, a little more mature. Um, and and I think that she's going to keep them in a ton of games. And then it's just a matter of, you know, who's going to score. And I think BC is a very deep team that, um, you know, that scoring could come from many different people, even though you did, as I said, you know, lose some of your top scorers from last year. They've, they've got other uh, great uh, offensive players that are ready to step up this year. Absolutely. In that second game, Katrin Lonergan, a freshman, she scored the first goal. Ryan Little, her sophomore season, she scores her first career goal uh, for BC. So a lot of great things coming from the Heights. We'll see how they continue their season as they have a big rivalry matchup against Boston University coming up this weekend. Kyle, you were high on Minnesota Duluth last weekend. I really wasn't that big uh, on them. Obviously, they did beat BC and they earned a tie. Um, But when you're looking at Minnesota Duluth, they go out and demolish Ohio State in that first game as well, 6-0. And then a closer game in game two, three to two. But I think Minnesota Duluth, you know, doing my research this past week, they probably have one of the best first lines, you know, from forward to defense and in the goal uh, across all of women's hockey right now. Right. And, and again, when you're talking about Minnesota, like you said with North Dakota, you're, you've got North Dakota in that, that conference. You've got Minnesota, Wisconsin. You've got Bemidji State. You've got so many great teams out there that they're, they're a solid team. And, and, you know, when, when the uh, recruits are, are talked to from Minnesota, they always have their choice. They have their choice of, of do I want to be a gopher or do I want to be a bulldog? And, and it's, it's not always a gopher. It, it's, you know, Minnesota Duluth oftentimes also get some of the best players, and, and that's why we've seen them be so competitive, and that's why we've seen them win national championships um, from, from Duluth. Absolutely. They have a big matchup coming up uh, November 12th and 13th against North Dakota before they welcome in Wisconsin. And then uh, Maura Crowell, who has been the associate coach at Harvard, she returns back to Cambridge in late uh, November to take on the Crimson in in two road games for uh, Minnesota Duluth. All right, Kyle, the top two teams in the nation, Minnesota at number two, Wisconsin at number one, Obviously, I know you're high on Anne Renee Babienz. She had another great performance, only giving up one goal to Minnesota State. Uh, Minnesota, they sweep St. Cloud State uh, 5-2-3-0. Do you think we're going to end up having what we had last year where Minnesota and Wisconsin play each other in a semifinal, and who knows, maybe BC or, you know, Quinnipiac, Minnesota, Duluth end up on the other one? Well, yeah. I mean, it all depends on on the seedings and how they they fall into – um, into the rankings. However, you know, we have to remember that last year BC went into that number one. So we saw uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, two, three, and that's why they ended up in the same semifinal. Um, but I would expect this year, one of those two will be one. And one of those two, if they're not two, they're going to be three. So they're going to fall into the other side of the bracket, most likely. Um, and, you know, a BC is going to have to play a semifinal against one of them, possibly, and then possibly play the other one uh, to make it all the way this year, and, and or whoever else is uh, in that 3-4, or who can knock off a 3-4-2 uh, into, the, into the playoffs, into the, the frozen uh, playoffs. 
Absolutely, and Frozen Four will be down in St. Louis, Missouri this year uh, before it returns back to Minnesota. But uh, real interesting to see who's going to end up down there. I'm excited. The college season is getting into full force uh, before we hit the winter break, and it's just been exciting hockey so far. We've seen some some great matchups. Talked about Minnesota Duluth. They, they lost two games to Minnesota, both by one goal. So I can't wait to see another matchup between those two teams. Well, and it's always a great game. It doesn't matter, um, you know, Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, as you said before, all of those games are always great games. And, and that's why, you know, us being uh, right now in, in the Massachusetts area, it's tough that we don't get to see more, more uh, games like that. And I, and I don't mean to just pick out the, the Midwest teams for that. You know, we could say the same thing about the, the BCs and the, uh, BU's and, and Quinnipiac even, you know, Clarkson even, um, these games aren't always as readily available as, um, you know, as, as they should be. Absolutely. And it's going to be really exciting. I, obviously you could follow my W sports for all of your updates on collegiate hockey. We'll be proud to give you updates. Uh, always catch BC updates with me uh, as well. But, Kyle, let, let's move on to some other sports. And we're getting to conference tournament, or we're actually in the midst of conference tournament action in NCAA soccer. West Virginia, they've been a, a pretty dominant team for the past couple of years. Right now sitting at number one, just one loss, one draw on the season. Their only loss coming to Georgetown in, in a really close matchup. We saw Stanford lose earlier or a couple weeks back. South Carolina at three, Notre Dame at five, USC at four. Um, these teams have continued to win recently. <clears throat> Excuse me, USC tied Utah, uh, number 23 ranked Utah. Do you have a favorite coming into this tournament? Right now, I, I would say mine are the Mountaineers just because of how consistent they've been. Um, but, again, we've seen in these tournaments upsets can happen anytime. Yeah, it's tough. I, You know, again, I would go with um, – possibly somebody out of the Pac-12 just because you have uh, USC and Stanford and UCLA and even Utah all in, in um, you know, the top 25 that are all very solid teams. Um, I, I, I've been a big fan um, of, of kind of the, the soccer that's going on out there. You know, we've seen some, some great players come out of the Pac-12 specifically in the last couple of years uh, into the NWSL and, and uh, I think it might be I, – I, I agree. I think West Virginia is a very solid team. Um, but I think that um, somebody out of that Pac-12, just the, the style of, of soccer that's going on out there, um, you know, just bodes well for, for whoever does make it as far. Again, it's a <laughs> – I say this with all these tournaments. It's a, it, it ends up being a one-game tournament, uh, and, and it's very difficult to continue to win and continue to move on. And those upsets can happen at any time. Absolutely. We saw Duke make a deep run. We saw Rutgers make a deep run last year. Penn State winning it in dramatic fashion with a goal from Raquel Rodriguez. We saw what she was able to do with Sky Blue this year. So a lot of great things coming from NCAA hockey. You saw UCLA, number eight UCLA, number nine Florida State fall this week. We'll see how the polls shake up once they come out tomorrow. Um, Kyle, let's move to some field hockey quickly before we get to some volleyball. Um, you know, ever since this broadcast I had, I've been getting more into this field hockey, and it gets just that much more fun every time I watch. This past weekend, I got to see Boston College take on number three-ranked UConn. UConn was number one for the majority of the year uh, before falling to Maryland, who's number four right now. 
But this game goes into overtime, and, you know, it was UConn leading 1-0. BC took a 2-1 to lead. Then UConn stormed back in, like, the last 10 minutes to take a 3-2 to lead. BC ties it with under a minute left. I mean, incredible game. They go into overtime, and with just a couple of, I think, 37 seconds left, there's a penalty shot awarded to UConn. They end up winning the matchup uh, in an amazing game. But I think this is the same. You know, we talk about powerhouse conferences. The ACC right now, uh, Duke number one, Syracuse number two, North Carolina number five. Is this just a question about the quality of competition? Yeah, I mean, the ACC in in field hockey has been, uh, you know, good for a very long time. And and um, I, I think there's no doubt about it that, that there's there's just a – I don't want to say a discrepancy, but there's, there's a better game going on uh, in the ACC. And, and their, 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 their talent level is far and away better than some of the other conferences. So, you know, these – as you said, the Dukes, the, the um, Syracuse, uh, you know, Maryland, North Carolina, um, they're all very, very solid teams. And, and this is one where, um, you know, I, I think that the ACC is a strong conference. But, again, one game at a time is difficult to do. And, and uh, especially in field hockey, it could come down to one set piece or, or you know, one penalty call that, that changes the outcome of the game. Um, you know, for, for some of these teams as they head into playoff action. Absolutely. It's going to be really exciting, as you mentioned, heading into conference tournament action coming up this week. It's going to be really fun to keep track of this. BC on that bubble, but a lot of teams thinking that they will get in. Obviously, those top five teams right now, Duke at number one, Syracuse number two, UConn at number three, Maryland at number four, a former ACC team, uh, and North Carolina at number five. Kyle, what's going on in the volleyball world? Well, I'll tell you, um, I, I think that if we don't, if we're surprised by anything, it's going to be that we have, we have teams that are, are starting to make their moves, that are starting to show that they're, they're going to make a move in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, we're not going to – you know that I'm a big fan of, of the Big Ten, especially in volleyball. And, and I just think that, you know, Nebraska has been so good that they're going to make their way into the semifinals probably or into the finals. But the other team that's against them, I think could be a question mark. Um, you know, right now you're, you're sitting in the big 10 and you're looking Nebraska, number one, Minnesota, number two, Wisconsin, number three. Um, so, so there's some great play there going on, but, but what we saw last year, was we, we looked at some of the teams early on and, and Penn State was one that's come into my mind and they had a good uh, regular season and they, they played very well against other Big Ten rivals. But then when it came time, um, I forget who they lost to last year, but it was, you know, somebody out of a uh, smaller conference that we didn't really expect to be able to hang with the Big Ten school. And we're starting to see teams like a San Diego who has come out of nowhere and is in seventh nationally, 19 and three right now. Um, you know, they're, they're just a solid team that, that may be able to shock one of these other teams. Um, you know, Florida, you know, not too many uh, SEC teams right now are in the 
the top talk, but but Florida is, and Florida's 21 and two, and they're dominating the SEC. So it, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how it all shakes out. Whether the the Big Ten is the the strongest conference, and that's who's going to end up winning it all, or if uh, somebody else can get their foot in the door and and shake it all up. Lou, you over there? Yeah, sorry. I, I, sorry, I was talking to myself for a second. But, um, oh. yeah, you talked about the upsets. Loyola Marymount, you know, they, they had a, a big run last year going up against Kansas. And then even you talked about Florida. Florida was an 11 seed, and they lost to Texas, who ended up going to the national championship. Uh, and that was a five-setter. So there's a lot of great teams that, you know, building off of last year, they can come into this and, and you know, do some spectacular things. Uh, Penn State, a storied program, they might have a run in them as well, even though they're, they're not having a great season. Um, so do you think it's Nebraska hand-in-hand? Hand, you're giving them the back-to-back? No, because I think it's going to be a little more difficult. Like I said last week, um, it's going to be a little more difficult because the, the national championships is not in – uh, Omaha, Nebraska, like it was last year, just uh, just up the road for them. Um, so it is going to be a little more difficult for them. They're not going to have the home court advantage this year. And I just think that there are so many good teams, and, and we've even seen it in uh, Big Ten play. When they played, they did beat Minnesota, and they did beat Wisconsin. However, those were very good games. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm not resigned to the, to saying that they're – they're hands down going to be the winner. They're a great team, and they're going to be in the final four, in my opinion. But uh, beyond that, I think it's up to up to them and up to a little bit of luck, too. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens in that tournament as well as we get close to that postseason play. Um, and it will be really exciting. Again, stay with MyW Sports for all your NCAA action and updates. Kyle, Ladies Professional Golf Association action. The CMA Derby LPGA Malaysia Tour was won by Shan Shen Feng. Uh, she won it just leading every round after the first round, doing it in spectacular fashion. Of course, the race of the CME Globe is heating up as the tournament ends in late November. Right now, Ariana Jutanagarn, she's leading the pack, uh, leading Lydia Cole by just over 100 points. Uh, Brooke Henderson in third place right now. A lot of young talent winning tournaments this year, but what are your thoughts about the LPGA as we approach the season finale? Well, as you said, a lot of young talent, a lot of different talent. We've seen a a lot of different people win this year, and I think that's a great thing for the LPGA because you're not gonna, we're not expecting, uh, you know, a certain person to win the LPGA championships. It could be it could be anybody at this point, which is a great thing for the sport. Absolutely. Lydia Cole picking up her play in the past couple of tournaments. She won the 2015 uh, Rolex Player of the Year and CME Globe Championship. Another championship just going final. Our tennis season is coming close to an end. The WTA finals uh, in Singapore. We had an upset, Cal, and it was a stunner at that. Dominika Sibukova, she took down world number one Angelique Kerber in straight sets to win the title. Uh, Sibukova defeated the eighth seed. Um, Kuznetsova, who was probably the story, the storybook uh, favorite, I guess, to to make it to the finals. Kibukova ended up winning. Uh, Kerber dismissed Agnieszka Radwanska in the semifinals, but again, she was shown up 
by Sibukova. Uh, a good thing here as well to see a new champion. You, we heard a lot of talk about Kerber uh, this year and, and her phenomenal season, but was this kind of a big thing for Sibukova? In my opinion, this was huge. I mean, not only did she knock off Kerber, but to beat Rodwanska, who had had just a great year as well, and Kudzinetsova, who is who has been around for a long time and has been a very solid player um, to win this. I think I think that's a great move for her, and and hopefully she can continue and and kind of turn this into a, a little bit of a run for herself. Absolutely. The WTA Elite Trophy is up for grabs, and that will be the final tournament of the 2016 WTA season. Stay with my WWE Sports for updates on that tournament. Kyle, uh, we wrapped up here. We have a couple of minutes left. Anything we missed before we finish up this Halloween special? I don't think so. I think, you know, we, we've been privy to and we've been able to see a lot of great uh, sports, a lot of great athletes. Um, if you can get any opportunity to see any of the uh, Four Nations Cup or, or hear any of it or uh, check it out streaming live as well, um, you know, it, it's going to be another great tournament, uh, not just for the U.S., but, but for all four teams involved. And, and um, hopefully this will show everybody that, that we need more, whether it's more teams or whether we need some sort of uh, advancement in the professional hockey um, it, it is a great sport right now that, that's, I think, really moving in, in the absolute right direction. Absolutely, and I co-signed that statement. And, again, you can join us next Monday here on MyW Sports, Sports Monday. And follow us on social media this week at MyW Sports as we bring you Motivational Monday, Top Player Tuesday, Women in History Wednesday, Throwback Thursday, and Friday Favorites. If you have any ideas for these days on social media, please let us know. You can visit us at MyWSports.com or email us, DM us uh, on social media or on the email. Um, Kyle, it's a pleasure as always. We'll, we'll leave everyone here with a little little special Halloween takeout, I guess.